You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. What do we do when we're faced with life's inevitable challenges? As the famous quote from Sylvester Stallone and Rocky says, life isn't all sunshine and rainbows. You know, even in that context of that epic movie, it's speaking through the lens of fighting, it's speaking through the lens of resilience and finding a way through, just being tough and facing all the stuff that's gonna come at you. And that is definitely one way to move through the world. Now, you're probably gonna end up with a lot of scar tissue and bullet wounds and you know, gum stuck in your hair and all kinds of crazy stuff is gonna take place. But there's another way. There's another aspect of resiliency that isn't talked about. And it's going to complete this puzzle for you today. And it definitely did for me. It really opened my eyes to looking at another dimension of what it means to be resilient. Because in our world today, more than ever, resiliency is one of the most powerful character traits that a person can have. And I want to encourage that in you, but I also want to let you know that it's okay to not be okay. And on this episode, we're going to talk about what do you do when you are in the midst of a drama? You're in the midst of an incredibly trying time. You're in the midst of heartbreak. You're in the midst of, as our special guest calls it today, you're in the midst of the suck. You are just inundated with a very challenging time. What do we do? What do we do? How do we get from there to where we want to be? And what happens if we get trapped? Sometimes we find ourselves living in that. Sometimes we find ourselves traversing out of that too quickly and we don't even acknowledge how much we're hurt and actually do the work to heal ourselves in a, in a truly efficacious and thoughtful way so that we don't keep falling back into that same pattern or finding ourselves with a big hole in our bulletproof vest. All right, we wanna make sure that we're resilient moving forward, but that sometimes takes us to slow down and to actually acknowledge where we are. And so we're gonna talk about all that stuff today and our special guest is just such a wealth of knowledge. And when you hear her story as well, it can give you some perspective on what you might be going through because sometimes, you know, even small slights can really throw us into a tizzy and sometimes hearing someone else's story can really give us perspective on, you know what, I do have power. If this person can go through this, I do have the power to find a way through this and to write a better story. But not just that, but having real world applicable tools is what she's providing because she's been able to impact and serve and help thousands of people through her own practice. But in addition to that, you know, now with best-selling books and being a renowned speaker, she's reaching hundreds of thousands if not millions of people with this message. So I'm very excited to share this with you and to give you more tools. Again, life's gonna happen. Life be lifing. Life is gonna happen. And it's really about having a blueprint, having a map, because sometimes we are not given that culturally. You know, we're just taught to be a certain way. You deal with things a certain way. And for many of us, we live a life that pales in comparison to our potential into our potential joy, our potential success, our potential health, because we're seeing life in the perspective that we were programmed with. And so I'm very grateful to be able to share these incredible insights with you to add to your superhero utility belt today. Now, recently I was having a conversation with one of my other incredible friends who is an expert in personal development, in psychology, psychiatry. He's actually a double board certified psychiatrist, 
Dr. Daniel Amen. He's been a great friend and mentor for many years. And he was sharing with me the importance of if you're in a struggle moment, if you're dealing with grief, if you're dealing with heartbreak, how important it is to make sure that we're getting our sleep because we're healing, not just physically, but our psychology, our brain is healing when we're sleeping. And so often, you know, when we're dealing with difficult times, for many of us, we bounce the other direction instead of resting and, and supporting our healing process and getting some sleep, because of course it's gonna be tough depending on the circumstance that we're dealing with, but doing our best, knowing that it's a priority and knowing that it's gonna help us to transition through the process, making it a must if we're going through a tough time to make sure that we're focusing on high quality sleep, but also if times are good and we're just wanting to be at our best, we wanted to recover well from our training, we wanted to have you know, top tier cognitive function, we wanna make sure that we're investing in getting high quality sleep. Now, unfortunately today, so many people were thinking through this lens and we're thinking about getting good sleep and maybe it's a struggle for us. We're thinking through the lens of pharmacology. What can I take? What can I take to improve my sleep? When in reality, nine times out of 10, we need to look at the environment. We need to look at our lifestyle practices around sleep. But when it comes to the nutritive and supplement side of this, and also of course there's pharmacology as well, and pharmaceuticals that can be supportive, we don't wanna to bounce to that so quickly. And a lot of different supplements out there, they're jumping right to taking melatonin, for example, and we have found in clinical trials that proactively taking melatonin too frequently and in too high of a dose, it can actually downregulate the receptor sites for melatonin in our bodies. Our bodies can still produce melatonin on its own. That was one of the concerns is if we're taking this outside hormone, because melatonin is a hormone. It's hormone therapy. If we're going, just because you can go and get it at, you know, the checkout aisle at the grocery store, you can get melatonin. It's a hormone and it is in fact hormone therapy. We need to be mindful of that. Melatonin does a lot more things in our body than just help to regulate our sleep quality. And so just because a thing is normalized and popular does not mean that it is ideal. Now there is absolutely spots for melatonin supplementation, especially if it's in the right form, which there isn't just one form of melatonin, keep that in mind. But I would much rather see people doing things that are much more gentle, that are acting upon our nervous system, but also helping to support things like the health of our immune system and so many other things. Because funny enough, and little fun fact, our immune system has a lot to do with our sleep quality. There are certain aspects of our immune system, in particular certain cytokines, that help to regulate and move us through certain phases of our sleep. Really remarkable, there's this two-way connection between our sleep and our immune system because our sleep quality also in of itself is a huge, huge determining factor on the health of our immune system because even our immune cells need proper recovery in a way as well. And now with all of that being said, what I would recommend and what I've been utilizing for many, many years and not only that, it's backed by centuries of documented use, but also we have a ton of peer-reviewed data today affirming its benefit for improving our sleep quality and so many aspects of our health. But it's not coming in like a blunt instrument forcing us to go to sleep. It's more so, again, acting upon our nervous system. And a study that was published in the journal Pharmacology, Biochemistry, and Behavior found that the renowned medicinal mushroom called Rishi was able to significantly decrease sleep latency, meaning that it helps you to fall asleep faster. It increases overall sleep time, and it also increases non-REM 
deep sleep time as well. So it's truly remarkable in and of itself in being supportive of sleep. And I would recommend having a, you know, making this an evening routine. If you have found that you've had some struggle with your sleep or, you know, maybe you just want to give your sleep a little bit of a tune up. Having a cup of Rishi about an hour before bed, 90 minutes before bed is just part of your evening routine can be a really great adjunct. And in addition, a new study titled Exploration of the Anti-Insomnia Mechanism of Rishi looked at how Rishi impacts changes at the genetic level to bring about improved sleep quality. After their analysis, the researchers stated, quote, Rishi mainly affects target genes in the pineal body, amygdala nucleus, prefrontal cortex, cerebellum, and other regions which regulate rhythm-related physiological processes, unquote. And to top things off, research published in the Journal of Pharmacological Sciences found that the polysaccharides in Rishi have extensive immunomodulating effects, including promoting the function of antigen-presenting cells, humoral immunity, and cellular immunity. It's amazing for our sleep and supporting the health of our immune system as well. There's only one place, one place to get a dual extracted beyond organic Rishi, and that is from Four Sigmatic. So you're actually getting these compounds that are noted in these studies. You want to make sure that it's actually there because this is another truth about the industry, in particular, not just supplements, but in particular, when it comes to medicinal mushrooms. A recent analysis found that many medicinal mushroom products don't even have the actual part of the mushroom that creates these therapeutic effects. And Four Sigmatic goes above and beyond to make sure that you're actually getting the highest quality available. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G. M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. And you're going to get 10% off store-wide, including their amazing Rishi Elixir. And you can utilize the Rishi whatever way that you enjoy. As a standalone tea, you can add, you know, various sweeteners. I'd recommend a high-quality honey or stevia or some healthy fats, whatever the case might be. And also they have an incredible Rishi hot cocoa that you can utilize as well. So you can take advantage of the benefits of reishi and organic cacao in that blend as well. So again, pop over to foursigmatic.com forward slash model for 10% off store wide. And now let's get to the Apple podcast review of the week. Another five-star review titled Awesome by Jesus1775. Just listened to my first episode as a new follower. The episode was on natural health for heart disease. And let me just say it was awesome. It goes into great details and yet is still simple to understand. I already shared the episode with people I know. Great work. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that review over on Apple Podcasts. I truly do appreciate that. And thank you so much for the shout out on the particular content. Looking at heart disease, it is still the number one killer in the United States. And we need to get more education out there about the causative agents, of course. But what are some science-backed things that we can do to reduce our risk, but also to reverse these conditions? and to be empowered and to help our families to take control of their health. And now on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Dr. Nita Bushin is a cosmetic dentist turned world-renowned emotional health expert. She's written multiple best-selling books, including her five-time award-winning book, That Sucked, Now What? She's also the founder of the Global Grit Institute. She's been featured everywhere from Forbes to NBC, ABC News, the list goes on and on. She's traveled across 45 countries studying human behavior and therapeutic psychology and brought all of her 
wisdom here for us today. Let's dive into this incredible conversation with Dr. Nita Bushin. Nita, so good to see you. Thank you for coming to hang out with us. Oh my gosh, it is such an honor to be here, be in your energy. You're soul fam, bro. Let's go, that part, that part. You know. I wanna ask you first and foremost, I know a lot of people right now are in the midst of a challenge in their life. Mm. And they're at some stage of it. And that's the cool thing about your work is like you've kind of dissected this into stages that felt really familiar. But whether or not somebody's in a moment of challenge or they have that challenge coming around the corner, you help me to redefine and think about resilience mm. in a different way. So let's talk about that word in and of itself. Mm, yes, wow, resilience. You know, it's it's so good to be on this show because I feel like when people and when anybody is thinking about resilience, you know, it's 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 okay. I've got to be strong. I've got to I've got to power through it. You know, and I feel like growing up, I would see the the YouTube motivational videos of like the guy, you know, punching in the, you know, in in the dark lights, and and we're we're powering through. And when you actually go to the bare bones roots of the word resilience, well, in Latin, it's resiliere, and resiliere means to bounce to bounce back. So if we think about it, okay, to bounce means that, well, maybe we don't have to be so strong and tough. Because if I were to take, you know, this glass right here, fill it up with water, and you might say, well, Nita, it's it's strong. It's it's tough. You know, it's 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 tough. But if I were to take that glass and let it go on this wood floor, well, it's gonna shatter. It's gonna break maybe into a hundred pieces. But if I were to take a basketball in my other hand or a bouncy ball, I've got two toddlers, you know, the ones that you get from the birthday party and you take it and you start to feel into it. Okay, it's got a little bit of give. It's got a little bit of bounce. If I let that go, it's going to maybe bounce really low or bounce really high, but it has the flexibility, it has the agility. And so should we be hard on ourselves then? And I think my definition of resilience and of course taking the Latin root word, and I talk about this in the book as well is, well, yeah, it's not only to bounce back, but it's also to use it as a framework and kind of a trampoline where we can just we can actually fly forward but we can actually also sit in what i like to call sit in the suck you know and and maybe say it's okay to not be okay and i can give myself grace and i can give myself compassion it's okay to not be okay that's something that probably both of us have experienced as our programming is like that's not it's not okay <laughs> and so that's revolutionary in and of itself you know and also this is what i'm seeing now in this stage of my life and also just with the work that i've been doing and the people that i'm connected with is that you know folks are opening up more and sharing that they're not okay that they're having moments of struggle you know these are things that all happen behind closed doors essentially you know my mom i never heard her talk like that yeah she just powered through that and you know the the outcomes from that were not good. Right. And I, I want to ask you about this because, you know, just kind of redefining this and looking at this, we're we're all the things because 
honestly, I felt like that resilience that I've been building, and even in the last few years, mm. it was about uh, standing for other people, fighting, um, developing a, a kind of a, a shield of sorts, you know, yeah. to to be tough, to be hard, to be able to power through things. But that is likely gonna, you know, end badly for me too, you know what I mean? But in this cultivating both. So yes, it is this capacity to be strong and to power through things, but also to cultivate this ability to be soft and to and to, and to be okay with not being okay and to acknowledge when I'm in a process. Right, and that we have different stages and seasons of life, you know, and I think that a lot of times and and you know being as as a female understanding more of i talk about you know the masculine and the feminine but many times even this masculine root of of all right i've got to i've got to be the one that's there for everybody and and i'm the one that has to take care of everyone but then i can't show emotion because you know i grew up with uh you know my my grandfather my mom's dad he was in the he was he he served in world war 2 i mean he was in the military and so he was very stoic and you would never see him break down and he always had this essence of all right don't you know don't talk back to us and this very i had this very tiger parenting upbringing with you know dads from india moms from the philippines and so there was never any any grace and i feel like we share a lot of this strife of like adversity and challenge growing up yet i think that as you are allowing yourself to sit in the discomfort because being in that uncertainty of discomfort is actually, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay because sometimes maybe there's a physical, like you, you know, you pull your shoulder or you break your leg. You know, you're not going to be able to power through anything. You're going to have to receive, lay back, lay down. And so I think so often we're so wired to bypass some of our emotions because it's like, oh, okay, this thing has happened and I know I've been told I'm strong, I'm tough, but what if we can appreciate our soft side? You know, this, not that, you know, we all have to be feminine, but that we can have more grace and patience with ourselves because our body needs to heal. And quite frankly, in the last few years, you know, we've seen in, obviously since COVID, this, our, our whole epidemic of our mental health challenges, you know, and I think that there is a point where yeah it's okay it's it, it's actually okay to number one acknowledge it but my you know book aims to really talk about well let's let's actually feel into it and what are we avoiding feeling that we tend to mask with all of the to-dos or with the the things that we're you know trying to add to our plate or the other vices which leads us to you know this downward spiral of not coming back to ourself mm, yeah we tend to admire people who have that kind of stoic um appearance but the truth is you know even the the toughest like gangster person you know even like ice cube for example is jumping to my mind yes there's when he's eating some cookies he's not feeling tough like he's eating cookies like that <laughs> damn this cookie good in the mother for now you just he's eating the cookie and he's and he's laughing and he's you know hugging his kids he's a soft teddy bear inside probably that's what i'm saying you know and yeah. and you know we all have these different aspects of ourselves but we because of our cultural conditioning we tend to put ourselves into this one particular box and 
I'm a big advocate now, again, is of acknowledging all parts of us. And also in particular, you know, because we are a very uh, social species, you know, we're social creatures, but part of that stoicism and like being so tough and so resilient, it tends to cut us off from the support and the love and all those things that can really add to our resilience, that can add to our mission, that can actually make us a lot stronger. Totally. So you talked about, and by the way, if we're, t if we're talking about resilience, like you know a thing or 20 about going through some things and you shared your story in your book and it was really like a gut punch for me just even tuning into some, some of the parts of the story that I didn't know. Um, but you mentioned your parents, for example, mm -hmm. and you had a really intense, I can't, can't even imagine experience uh, with your with your parents and also your your brother as well. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah, Ooh. I think probably it's because it's become my life's work that I can now share, you know, both sides of resilience and resiliency because most of my childhood was hallmarked by this idea of Nitha, you're resilient. Nitha, you're really strong. I was the oldest, you know, the oldest uh, daughter. And uh, I had two younger brothers and, you know, growing up in Chicago, melting pot, but my parents were immigrants. And so the idea of this keeping up with the Joneses, coming to America for the, you know, American dream, all of the things, I feel like we were on this trajectory and my parents, of course, instilled all of the values of education and all of this. But I feel like I, I grew up really early because at 10 years old, I was a caretaker to my mom who, you know, worked really hard, but she got sick and she had breast cancer. But then that kind of shifted and changed where for those six years, she was in and out of hospitals. So six years of my adolescence, I mean, everyone would be going to the prom or their dates or whatnot, and I'm going after school to the hospital to care for her. And she passed and transitioned when I was 16, but then a year later, when we're trying to kind of begin our journey of healing, we would have my brother who was, I was a senior in high school and he was a sophomore, and he had an asthma attack. This was a year after my mom died and they couldn't revive him. And so, and he had, he, his lungs collapsed over his heart. And so, and this was on my youngest brother's 12th birthday. And so I remember just going into full, like, you know, now I have language for it, but my nervous system was just like in fight flight. I'm like, what is, what is going on? And all you know, was just all right I gotta I gotta power through this because I was the oldest and I had to be strong for my dad who went into this he spiraled into deep depression because as a Indian man you're you're not you're kind of almost ousted from society if you're like a widow and so people just in the community didn't know how to deal not just with one tragedy but two and then case in point, you know, two years later, when I'm in college, we get this diagnosis from my dad and he had stage four lung cancer. My and so, and you know, my mom died of lung, I mean, her, 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 her cancer spreads to her lungs. 
And, you know, in the esoteric or Chinese medicine, lungs are a sign of grief. My brother, he died of his lungs collapsing, an asthma attack. Again, the Chinese medicine or, you know, a lot of the esoteric healing is is all around the, the, the grief of the lungs. My dad had lung cancer. And so, you know, at 19, I'm an orphan. I have to, you know, now take care of my youngest brother who was 14. And I'm like in this tunnel and all I can imagine and, and just I have this mantra in my head of what my dad would always remind me, Nita, you're strong, you got this, you're strong, you got this. So I'm like, okay, strong, I got this. So I'm entering my 20s and I'm like, all right, let's go. And in the book I talk about, you know, having a chip on your shoulder because I sure had that. I didn't want anybody to pity us. I didn't want anybody anybody to feel bad for us. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my parents proud. And so I did all of the things and and it was one of the things that resiliency got me to my 20s. It got me to, yes, I did really well in school and became a cosmetic dentist and all of the flashy things on the outside. But what I was struggling with was this internal like conflict of what am I actually, what is going on with my life that in my personal life, for years, I would be attached to toxic relationships and toxic relationships over and over. And I was so afraid of being alone that I got married early on and it happened to be a toxic relationship. But at the end of my 20s was when I would finally realize after, you know, I had the seven figure practice and I was the talk of the town to all of our community that look at her. She's so strong and look at what she's done with her life. But I was breaking down and I was spiritually dead, mentally, emotionally distraught. And I I remember this because it was like December 31st, 2011. I feel like that's like my awakening day where I remember just having all the bells and whistles of my life. And I had, you know, a, a beautiful home and I was married. And I had to say three words because in my soul, I felt like I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't lie. And I felt like I was lying to everyone around me, my family members, my brother, everyone, that I was not okay. And so I said three words, I need help. And I was looking at the mirror in my bedroom, I need help. And it was literally the day that I left. I left that whole life. I left that marriage. And it started to unfold and unpack the decades worth of grief that I like packed away in a closet under, you know, under the rug like we do. And I needed to shatter like that glass. I needed to fully shatter so that I can pick the pieces up and come back to myself. And I feel like for a lot of people listening, you know, it is... It's when you recognize that, fine, maybe we're, you know, we there are parts of us that are broken, but it's that Japanese kintsugi saying of, you know, they, they put gold, uh, you know, where the cracks are. And it becomes this beautiful masterpiece of kintsugi and kintsugi art. It's such a, it's, it's a beautiful practice, but that's where, you know, the, the, the healing and the growth is. I love that analogy. And you know, it's so crazy, like we're already connected because I was gonna bring bring that up. Ah. Um, because, you know, in that culture, in a strange way, the damage 
is where the gold is going to be placed and it makes it more valuable. And so this thing that might have been thrown away, you know, being able to repair it in a sense to to give it, you know, a new shape, new new meaning in essence, but it really makes it more valuable, but we don't see that for ourselves. And sometimes we have a crack and then we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll just give up or just throw it all away when in reality sometimes those cracks are where the light shines in and also where we can add even more value and start to see the possibilities and this is one of the cool things about this framework because you know during these stages and one of them you even mentioned like being able to start to see possibilities because especially when we're in the suck it usually looks like everything is messed up it's just all problems everywhere all the time there's nothing good out here on these streets you know and so i would love if you could take us through this framework it's five steps mm -hmm. and it's really profound but it starts with stage one where again there's a lot of people right now listening to this that are in this stage yeah. and if we're not if we've gone through this before we probably recognize some of these different stages and where we are today but also know that life is going to keep on handing us these often unexpected challenges uh, but we can start to see these uh, as opportunities. So let's go through these five stages. Absolutely. So the first stage is like the fall, right? Something happened. You, you know, broke your shoulder. You got into a car accident. You found out your spouse was cheating on you. Or you came home and you realized that their stuff was gone. For me, it was recognizing that, oh, wow, I, I cannot, I no longer can be in this relationship. And so that's the fall. You feel hopeless. You might feel defeated. You might feel depressed. You might feel like I, 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 I mean, just lost in this uncertainty. And it might feel so completely unfamiliar. Yet then you get into the stage two, which is the ignition. You're in the igniting phase. There is fire under your belly. Maybe it's after you get that medical diagnosis. And it's, all right, am I going to do what I've been doing for a long time? Or am I gonna make the change? Am I gonna go and see that doctor? Am I gonna go change doctors? Am I gonna go see that therapist, get some help? Say those three words, I need help. But there is something that is under your belly that's like, I can't go back to that pain because that pain is so big that I am going to step into like an alternate version of myself that I didn't even know existed, completely different. And so that's the that's the stage two. And and Sean, not everybody gets to that stage two. And they'll go back and and go back maybe to that relationship because they're not ready. They'll they'll go back into, you know, other forms of that suck or because it feels familiar and familiar feels good because unfamiliar is scary. But for those that are like, all right, I gotta do something different. I, I, this is not helping my health. And so then we get into the rising stage. And for me, the rising stage was, all right, I, I, got, I got the restraining order. I'm staying on friends' couches. I've shared this with my family. You are doing things that are completely out of your comfort zone. And you're asking for help. You're like a toddler that is learning to walk and you are wobbly. The ego, your ego is just like surrender because I am learning and I'm, I'm, I'm just embracing this, this newness. I don't know what's going to happen, 
but I'm actually trusting. And the feelings in this stage is you're starting to cultivate trust within yourself. You're starting to cultivate a little bit more confidence. Yes, you might be in this arena of the paradox that I like to call it, of where you still might be grieving the loss of your partner or the breakup or the friendship or the betrayal, but you're also kind of in this other dimension of, all right, there's hope, mm-hmm. there's there's faith, there's, I'm curious, I might be skeptical, but I'm curious about how this might play out. So you're you're kind of like navigating new waters and you're you're okay being in the uncertainty, you're embracing it. And then we get into stage four, which is the magnifying stage. You've got a little pep in your step. You know, maybe you found a few friends at the gym because you've been going there for, you know, three months. You've got a trainer that you really enjoy. Or I remember the first thing I did for myself was I took a stand-up comedy class at Second City. Shout out Second City Chicago. Actually, it was improv first and then stand-up comedy because I was so afraid of public speaking i was still a dentist but i i I wanted to get myself out of my comfort level it's kind of what i like to call this good stress right well you're building a new skill i needed to recreate friends in a community that i just left so for me i'm like okay i mean i got nothing to lose i know one person in this and so this was improv But in the magnifying stage, you are saying yes to new possibilities. You're saying yes to go to a place that you've never visited before. You're saying yes to maybe pouring into yourself, taking a yoga teacher training, or maybe doing that meditation, pouring back into you. And because you're doing it consistently, you're now starting to magnify and and you are amplifying your own gifts, whatever that could be. And maybe you start to realize that, ooh, I want to pay it forward for somebody else. I want to volunteer at the local shelter or do some charity work because I feel like other people need to know about X, Y, and Z that I've been through or, or whatever that feels, whatever feels right to you. But then we get into the fifth stage, which is the, mag- uh, the thriving stage. And thriving doesn't mean that you're not going to have a fall. Thriving does not mean that we're blasted off into outer space. Thriving does not mean that we're just going to be superheroes for life. No, thriving means that, all right, you are so now solid and sovereign in yourself that, you know, we have a saying in Hindi, what will people say? You no longer care what other people or the outside noise will say. You are doing things because it lights you up. You are, uh, you are also allowing for your own personal check-ins to say, ooh, does this feel right? Should I go to this party? Should I actually stay in and, and do it for me? Your boundaries are being more solid because you're pouring back into you and you're doing things because you want to do them, not because of other people. And so, and and when you're in a bind again, you're okay with asking for help. You're okay with having a community of support like coaches, therapists, doctors, healers, whatever, to actually pour back into you. It sounds so obvious, you know? It sounds so obvious that to do that, but uh, I, I think that, you know, a lot of times we don't have a, a map, 
you know, especially if we have certain cultural programming to where, you know, again, we, we're just a certain way and this is how it is. But, you know, being able to articulate these stages and to know that we're in a process yeah. in of itself is so helpful. And, you know, there's one in particular question because I think, and I'm just throwing this out there, you're the expert on this. <laughs> I would imagine the toughest stage would be to get from the initial stage of the fall to the ignition. Ooh. That's what I'm just kind of, you know, uh, being able to like pull out of this. And in the book you said this, and I'm just gonna quote you directly, you said, there's only so much change we can create while looking at the past. Though past struggles and experiences give us strength and resilience, I truly believe we need to be looking and navigating forward in order to fly. Mm. So this is the fly forward framework, these five steps. So my question is, how do we get from the fall to the ignition? How do we actually get there? That's big because like I shared, you know, it's, that is the hardest. It's, it's one of the reasons why most people will, you know, fail on their new year's resolutions, right? Will fail on their promises to themselves or the new diets. And it, because they're, it's, change is hard. Change is really difficult, especially when it's scary, especially when it's uncertain, especially when you feel like the familiarity of a toxic relationship feels so much more comforting or the dysfunction that you have in a toxic friendship is so much more comforting than stepping out into the unknown because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to be so successful in that business venture or so successful in the next thing that you're doing that you'd rather play small that we, because th- th- that's what you know. That's what you've been knowing. That's that that's a safe spot for us and our nervous systems just wanna feel safe. We're not wired to, you know, take that quantum leap, you know. However, there's gotta be, and the pain has to be so big for us in order to say, I don't want that life anymore. That's been causing me so much pain that I'd rather take the risk because there is something igniting me and I can't go back to where I was going because I gotta do something I've never done. And that's where your trust comes in. That's where, you know, what we call your your intuition, something else, call it your angels, whatever. You know, if you have a belief in a higher power, that's that's where something else comes in. For me, it was, saying those three words out loud and recognizing and seeing the awareness of, oh, okay, I've been doing this. I've been seeing this pattern and this, I talk about radical self-awareness in the book as well. And when we're not, when when we're doing things blindly and we're, we're just kind of oblivious to our environment, we're not paying attention to all of the subtleties, but when we're strengthening our, you know, radical self-awareness, we're like, oh, okay, I can see, I can see my pattern here. I can see where I picked that person. I can see where I'm, I'm in the victim. You know, mm-hmm. I've got a pity party for one, but it takes 
courage. It takes bravery. And honestly, it takes people that who really also believe in you. I think many times we at least can count on one other person to say, that's not really you. Like, I, I know that there's something else in you. And if, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know if I have that person, well, maybe that person is you. We just got to look in the mirror. And that's why mirror work, mirror work is a thing. It's a, you know, it, it, it's, it's a thing. And psychologists have, have even talked about this. I think Mary uh, or Amy Cuddy, the, the TEDx speaker, you know, she was talking about how you stand and do those power poses in the mirror to cultivate your own inner confidence so that you can actually be your own inner superhero and fly forward. But it takes that certain level of that awareness to say, okay, I, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something different that I've never done before. This is really hitting me different right now. I just got a call yesterday from somebody who I've known since I was a kid. Mm. And we've had different trajectories of our lives. Um, you know, mostly when, you know, after I graduated high school, you know, I went to college and that whole thing, and I was just trying to figure things out, you know, to, to write a new story for my family and that whole thing. And this person has been there along the way, you know, because they're kind of like an extended family member. And little did I know, they always knew, you know, even when I, this wasn't until, you know, I was an adult that they shared with me, even when I was a kid, they were a little bit older than me, that I was exceptional, like I was going to do something special. I didn't know, you know, I was just trying to make it, you know, out of the environment that we're in. But they called me yesterday and they shared some news that they had been going, not just going back, but had gone back to this toxic relationship mm. that I thought that they had separated from about 15 years ago. Wow. And I thought that they were, you know, living somewhere else, but that uncertainty and also they share with me that when they initially left, they didn't want, to, when they went back because of the story they told themselves, which has a lot to do with certainty and just yeah. being able to, just to make it, to get by, to try to achieve my goal so that I then can tell you how I made it. She shared with me that she didn't want to tell me because she knew that I would challenge her on that. She knew that I would articulate that there were so many other possibilities and ways that she could navigate the situation than going back. Mm. And so little did I know all of the conversations we had this last 15 years, that that's where she's been. Wow. And you know, the story is a little bit different. You know, they might share a different section of the house or whatever, it's convenience. But just the fact that you're there, you know, and the impact that that's gonna have on your kids, on your extended family members, our relationship. But it's so, it's so interesting, it, you know, you mentioning having that person to see the best in you, to challenge you, but lovingly, you know, because there is a way to go about this stuff. Of course. But having, having access to somebody like that is such a blessing because from you and I, for many of us, we don't have that mm -hmm. and we seek it out. You know, whether that's through a podcast, whether that's through, you know, going to events, whatever the case might be, we look for a mentor who's gonna speak to the highest in us, you know? So, you know, thank you for mentioning this because I think that this is a big 
possible ingredient for getting from the fall into the ignition is being able to to reach out to people around you who really value you and who want better for you truly. Mm -hmm. And this isn't about any kind of like lower tier, like selfishness or envy or any of that stuff. They just really wanna see you succeed and they see the greatness in you and actually opening yourself up and sharing, right? But you said, and this is what I wanna ask you about, when we're in that victim mindset, we tend to latch onto that, that's our identity and we shut ourselves off from that possibility. So let's talk a little bit more about that victim mentality. Oh yeah, I mean, the victim mentality keeps us safe. It's our ego. It's like, all right, everything else is scary. And so to be in, in, in just in the suck of, all right, everything bad keeps happening, happening to me. I always pick the partners that are, are not the best. I don't think there's anything out there for me or, you know, the, the business things that I keep doing are, they don't go anywhere. And so it's, we, we kind of stay in this low frequency or low vibe. It's like this low hanging fruit. And because it becomes then an identity. We can then complain to other people and get their sympathy. And we can it can be something that we can then share. And we don't have to take personal responsibility because, oh wow, look at me. And so when do we then get to change the narrative? Like we can be stuck. And this is what happens for a lot of people. I feel like they get stuck in this suck or this period of where I can't even take any action because nothing is going on and or you're in this other uh the other end of the boat where you're like I'm gonna power through and nothing's gonna tear me down nothing there's no way and so you know the other half of people they keep you know going until they burn out or until, you know, the universe, God, or, or something actually happens, they get a sickness or an illness where they have to slow down. But the, the majority of people who are in this victim spiral and mindset, it's, it's safe to be there. It's safe to not take any action. It's safe to not try that new business. It's safe to not put yourself and uh, in, in try to date because for fear of, ooh, maybe I'll get rejected. And what does that rejection mean about the parts of me that don't feel good enough or the parts of me that don't feel worthy of love and that I have to confront that and to confront those deeper layers of those feelings, it's hard because who wants to confront worthiness and where did we feel unworthy? growing up or in our relationships where we just pick whatever person that walks into our life who may not treat us well but then we're still we're still going back there for that same dysfunction and toxicity because we know it's safe got a quick break coming up we'll be right back hippocrates the father of modern medicine stated that all disease begins in the gut we often think of this in terms of chronic diseases, but this holds true for infectious diseases as well. He had a plethora of nutritional treatments for his patients. And according to a study cited in the journal Frontiers in Pharmacology, one of his most notable treatments for preventing infections was 
propolis. Propolis is time-tested immune support from the world of bees. And today, numerous peer-reviewed studies are affirming its benefits. One study published in the peer-reviewed journal Antiviral Chemistry and Chemotherapy revealed that propolis has significant antiviral effects, specifically in reducing viral lung infections. Now, a little fun fact is that Hippocrates used propolis both internally and externally for his patients. And again, today, the external benefits are being highlighted in new studies as well. This study published in Phytotherapy Research found that topical propolis that was applied a few times a day, it was three times a day in this study, accelerated the healing of cold sores faster than the placebo group. The researchers found that topical propolis not only reduced the amount of herpes virus present in a person's body, but it also protected the body against future cold sore outbreaks. One other study, and again, there's so many. This is a meta-analysis of multiple studies published in the Evidence-Based Complementary and Alternative Medicine. And it found that propolis has antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal, and anti-tumor properties. It is well noted to be an immunomodulator that increases the body's resistance to infection. This is one of the most supportive things that you can do for your immune system. And it's one of my favorite go-tos that I use on a regular basis. And I'm talking about the propolis immune spray from Beekeepers Naturals. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model, and you're going to get 20% off their propolis immune spray and also store-wide on their other incredible bee products, including their superfood honey and their royal jelly supplement that is incredible for our cognitive function. Go to B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S naturals.com forward slash model for 20% off. Get yourself hooked up right now with their incredible propolis immune spray. It is something that I always have on hand. I travel with it. It's actually in my bag right now for whenever I'm traveling and on the road and also just keeping my family healthy proactively, especially during cold and flu season. Hop over there, check them out. Beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model for 20% off. And now back to the show. You also talk about, you know, looking at where we pick up some of these ideas from that become our belief system, how we see the world and a lot of issues. I think that this is one of the biggest epidemics is a lack of a sense of worthiness. Mm. And when we don't feel worthy of love, of health, of, uh, of success or whatever the case might be, um, you know, we can literally self-sabotage a lot. And sometimes we pick this up because we're seeking approval that we never got, you know? And so it's like being able to have some introspection. You've got a lot of great exercises in the book as well to look at where did I pick this thing up from where I don't have a sense of worthiness? You know, what approval have I been seeking? And I'm looking for this approval from my mother who's no longer alive. And this is literally something that I can't get approval from, but I'm carrying this and it's helped to create my victim mindset. Um, this is already, super helpful but i want to dig in more because again being in that struggle zone in the suck itself is very difficult to get out of as you said this is a time when a lot of us turn back and a lot of us give up and but the crazy thing is certain times there's like a glimpse of light and we start to maybe hit try to like start the ignition but it's like dun, 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 dun. it's not really starting yep and i want to ask you about a particular exercise which is literally writing down all of the fucked up things that have happened in your life writing them down write up write everything bad that has happened 
to you in your life, write it all down. But there's another part of that as well. Let's talk about that exercise. Oh, wow. So it's, you know, it's, I kind of like to call it like the failure resume. I've had various iterations of this exercise, but this is where we get to talk about all the things that sucked. We get to talk about and bring out to the open. All right. What you, to do an audit, an inner audit of, all right, all of the past relationships, let's just say you're struggling with a relationship right now, or you're getting out of a, um, you're just going through a breakup, or you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I, I got to get on this dating wheel again, or maybe you just got through a divorce. But relationships and friendships is a big, is, is a big category, because we're not meant to do life alone. You know, we're meant to do it in relationship with other people. And so, but so to do an audit to see, all right, what were all of the crazy things that happened, the, the up things that happened, the things that you couldn't control, make a list of all of those things. And, you know, there was one time where, you know, I did this with uh, a group of students and now we have this in some of our communities where basically they just keep adding on to it because sometimes you just remember the big things all right you know i I had my first breakup in high school my you know i i I struggled with you know eating habits and in college etc etc so you'll have maybe five or ten that really stick out of your life or you know a death in the family a loss etc abuse abuse exactly but then you'll you'll add some of the smaller things like Oh, I I didn't get that job that I worked so hard on or wow, the you know, that really that that thing that happened last year where I worked so hard on that project and I didn't get picked. And so you'll start to add these other layers and layers and which is why I like to call it a failure resume because you'll you'll add on to all of these things. But then on the other side of that, all right, what what did what did that lead you to what did that lead you to that that breakup in the seventh grade who did that lead you to maybe it led you to another person in college that you know got you to share your theater skills on stage or you know the the friend that maybe you know stole your homework or whatever the case was but it led to something else where did it lead you and what were all those breadcrumbs to lead you where you are today and it's huge for people who are kind of ruminating in the suck or maybe if you have this personality type of you're kind of constantly in your head and you're replaying all of the scenarios of why didn't it go well and you're analyzing it and you're just in your mind And so a way to bring it down into your body and into your heart is to, well, let's give voice to these parts. Let's let's kind of see where that roadmap took you, because it took you to actually listening to this podcast here today, right now. All of our failures and all of our setbacks led us to this particular moment right here, right now, you and I, Sean. So, and that is beautiful. That's where the magic comes in. That's where, you know, we can kind of amiss the crazy and the chaotic and sometimes the fact that, you know, our, the, the kind of the fragments of our life may be this ball of soup, but that ball of soup led you to this exact moment, which is beautiful and it's magical. And maybe you're still in the healing process 
But you can take this and now this is something that, you know, we do annually. And so you can add to those, you know, to those layers, but it's contributed to, well, how, how is it, how is it now for you? What did you learn about yourself in the process? What are you no longer taking forward? Maybe you've reframed a story because you've, you found out that, oh, I was acting this way because my third grade teacher told me I was never going to amount to anything. So that's why I keep thinking that I'm a failure and that's why I won't start that thing. Because every time I just feel like, or you hear, you know, stories of, uh, you know, somebody who had, and I feel like I I talk about this in the book, but around, you know, even stuttering and, and how somebody made fun of you in the second grade. And then to heal and reframe that story and reposition it with something that you're saying and you're taking forward with you today here on out. And that can be also part of the healing journey. I'm gonna share this from your book as well. And again, in this transition from falling to igniting, you said, at first during a fall, you often feel like a victim. You might feel helpless, ashamed, despondent, depressed. You might feel like the universe is against you or that life is happening only to you. All of that is normal. That's important. Like that was a bar right there. All of that is normal. Falling sucks big time. But when you decide to accept what has happened as the reality, that can trigger the next stage. And then you move into giving a little insight into igniting. And again, you dissect these more in the different sections of the book. But being that this is the most difficult transition, Mm -hmm. I wanted to spend a little bit more time here. And I want to ask you one more thing about this and if there's anything yeah. else that jumps out that you could share because again it's the it's the suck it is the most difficult place sometimes we can't see the light but with that being said even as i'm saying that chances are there is light that shines through every now and then and you mentioned a little bit earlier about taking some action mm. and i'm curious you know when we have those moments what do we do you know, because it's so easy to ignore them, to turn back, to tell ourselves a story. When these moments happen, when we're in the suck, should we, or would you advocate, and this is what I'm asking you this for personally as well, yeah. to do something, right? To, to just take a step to maybe, like what can we do with, because it all starts from our mind. It's not necessarily taking an action. right? Or do we just sit in the suck and just live there, you know? And again, is it okay that we stay there for a bit? Talk about that a little bit more for me. Yeah, so here's here's the thing. I think there's two camps. You know, there's the folks that they're, they're fine living in the victim spiral, and that's all they know. You know, I talk a lot about, you know, four personality types, and the one that I'm talking about is, there's the, the two specific ones where they are okay with their sadness. They are okay with feeling into the suck. They are okay with sitting in the falling stage. And they, they're, they're, they're okay with having the identity as the victim. And they're the ones, if you ever go to you know the family party, it's always the, oh, she's the one that has the big migraine again. And she, you know, she's the one that's having all of these issues. And you got a it, problem for every solution. Got a problem, <laughs> exactly. And, and loves because that's her identity. 
And then you have the other side where, you know, this is the the go-getter, the, the, the tough ones, the, all right, this, this happened. Well, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And because I, I you know, I, I learned that meditation and I, I read that book and I've got Sean's, I've got Sean's book. So I read that chapter. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep pushing through. And so there's the one camp where they acknowledge full, fully, and they sit in the suck for far too long. And then there's the other camp where they do not, they deny their emotional experience and they fully bypass it completely where they're like, nope, nothing, no, nothing's bothering me. I'm okay. I'm all good. It could have been worse. It's kind of like, you know, the, where, where you have like a bad football play or something like that. And the coach is like, all right, the next one's going to be better, you know? And so with that camp, they're the ones struggling to slow down. And they don't even acknowledge and maybe it's okay for them to actually sit in the sock but for the other school it's really difficult because when they are in that sock it's hard to actually climb out and take action and for those people who we're talking about because it's it is it can be a scary place it can take you out for a couple of years it's where I feel like you know I had and I talk about this in the book it's one of the reasons why I I was inspired to write the book because I was in my own suck of postpartum depression and I did not even know it and I didn't realize it until I was kind of kind of out of it on the other side and so again it's you got to take those baby steps and for me in my postpartum depression I had postpartum rage and anxiety and all of these emotions that before I wasn't okay embracing and I wasn't okay embracing because up oh, I thought I had to be the strong girl I, I had an identity around resilience meaning strong but can resiliency also mean being soft and how long is too long to sit in the sock well We've got to be able to, and, and researchers have shown this, it takes 60 to 90 seconds to fully feel an emotion from your body. We can acknowledge I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling jealous right now, I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling depressed. We can actually take the first step to just say it out loud because most of the time it's in our head and if it's in our head we're ruminating we're making stories we're thinking we're not good enough we're thinking our worthiness is tied to this thing but it's all in our head did we write it down did we journal it out did we say i am feeling x and i invite you if you are in this place first acknowledge it outside outside of your body outside of your mouth and then you'll see sometimes that pressure valve, that pressure cooker that we have on ourselves tends to release because, oh, wait, I just gave voice to that. That's actually not me. That's a feeling that I've been having. So I don't have to sit in this emotion. I can actually honor it and I go through many ways of how we can process it, move the energy, move that feeling of the emotion but many times where does it get stuck what does it feel like do we feel tension in our body do we feel tension in our lower back do we feel tension in our shoulders in our in our head because we're constantly thinking about things notice where you actually feel it and then 
maybe, you know, I, I like to do this very easy practice of just even simply putting your hand over your heart. You talk about this a lot, Sean, you know, this idea of if we can't get a hug from the closest people to us, can we give ourselves that touch of, okay, it's oxytocin. Can you give yourself that little jolt of oxytocin, that care, that love for yourself that I am going to take a small baby step? Mm. I am going to write this out in a journal. I'm going to get myself a cup of tea and pour back into me. You know, I'm going to do a ritual for myself. I'm going to actually go outside in nature right now. So I'm not saying monumental of, you know, going and getting, uh, you know, uh, a session with your therapist or go finding a coach or maybe even getting the book. No, the first thing that you can do is, hey, put your hand over your heart. Just honor and acknowledge yourself that you are even actually having the awareness of what you're feeling. And then it's that baby step. Okay, I did that. Well, if we already know it takes 60 to 90 seconds to feel fully an emotion and the trigger behind it and where it is in our body, then all right, let's do some of the other practices. Let's move that energy because it's just stale energy. Let's let's yeah. move it out. Let's go do a workout. Let's go hiking. Let's go walk in nature. But getting yourself to literally and physically go outside of your comfort zone or your current environment which is what i talk about as well and sometimes it might be taking a walk in a different block to kind of change your perspective because what are we also doing well if we're changing our perspective or if we're maybe going to you know you don't you don't have to go all the way across the world unless you want to or do that eat pray love trip you don't have to but maybe you can go to a different grocery store Maybe you can go to a garden in a different part of your neighborhood that you've never seen and notice, oh, what's different here? What's unfamiliar? Because many times when you're starting to take those baby steps, what are we doing? We're rewiring and activating certain neurons in our brain. We're activating different parts of our brain. We're activating more dopamine naturally. And so that's that step of slow, slowly getting out of the funk or slowly getting out of the suck. So we recently had on um, Dr. Ellen Langer, who was, she's considered the mother of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And she's been studying the impact that our thoughts have on our biology for like 40 years. And it's phenomenal. And one of the things that she mentioned, which is what you just mentioned is novel experiences really help to facilitate biological changes, you know, changes with our brain, but also changes with, you know, what our body is doing. As a matter of fact, finding that this group of old men back in 1979, when she did this study, mm-hmm. uh, who were 80 years old. All right, so in, in 80 back in 1979 was like 80. Oh, wow. Right, so <laughs> she went through a lot just trying to, you know, do this, do this study and basically setting up the environment so that they were it was as if they were in their youth right same posters same type of music all this stuff but that was the study group the other group were just supposed to talk about those things but just the fact that those guys even in the control group were in a novel environment they were having these conversations with different people they had improvements in their vision they had improvements in their in their in their hearing they had improvements in certain biometrics just by doing something novel so i love that you mentioned this like there's so many subtle bars that you have dropped already, but just if we're wanting to navigate our way out of the suck, 
putting yourself in a new environment would be helpful, even in a micro way, you know? So coupling that with, and let's just say this thing out loud, why don't we do this? Because we're so fucking busy today. We've all got all this stuff going on. We're not taking a moment to just acknowledge, like, I'm not okay. We're not taking a moment just to look at, investigate, why do I feel the way that I feel? Why am I experiencing this pain in my body? Why am I, you know, struggling to fill in the blank? Whatever it is, just taking a moment because we pick up this phone, right? And we distract ourselves and we become, you know, we're, we're dealing with Mark Zuckerberg suck, yeah. Zucker suck, <laughs> you know, like we're dealing with that instead of like dealing with our own stuff. And so I'm glad that we are having this conversation and I wanted to point us to like, you have everybody listening has full capability to do this work and to find so much more joy and reward and all these other things at the other side and to know that other stuff is gonna happen, but also you're building this resiliency. And the last thing I wanna ask you about is the importance of good stress as well because it's not like trying to hide out from bad things or for ch from challenges in life but actually some good stress inputs can actually help us along this way as well oh a thousand percent i mean in the magnifying stage or even wherever stage you may be at it helps when we are actually putting ourselves in uncomfortable positions and being in that feeling of all right discomfort it's actually a good thing there's so much research around i mean we already know this by when we got to go to the gym and we know if we're lifting heavy we're gonna be feeling it the next day it doesn't mean that we're gonna stop going to the gym it doesn't mean that we're gonna oh that's too that that that's just that's feeling too sore i'm not gonna do it but so why don't why do we then ignore having these uncomfortable conversations or what I like to call brave conversations with a friend that slighted us or with a family member or with our kids or with our, you know, our, our partner so that we can deepen the connection. We can deepen our conversations and we can even strengthen our bonds to be able to have a face-to-face -face conversation. Right now, you know, there's studies of young people not even, like they're so afraid to even have a face-to-face -face conversation. They'd rather ghost. So they're not going to, you know, their interviews or when they have to quit, they're quietly quitting because they don't, have the capacity to actually say and have a brave conversation because, ooh, that's too scary. So I'm gonna avoid it altogether. But what I like to say is, all right, what's that thing that you've been avoiding? Maybe you don't like the cold plunge. We already know that you talk about this a lot. How does this actually affect our body? Well, it, it, it provides us with that good stress for our body to break down more fat, et cetera. But what about some of the things that we avoid that help us to have healthier relationships, that have healthier boundaries? If you are, you know, I'm like a re recovering people pleaser over here. I love to be the one, the way shower of my family and friends. But there was a point where I had to actually say no a lot and practice mm -hmm. this idea of actually saying no, I won't be able to do this. I, I would love to take you X, Y, and Z, but I just can't do it today. And to be able to acknowledge like, oh, wow, that was a big deal. I can't believe I just did that. And to pat yourself on the back when you, when you are taking those big risks and leaps, instead of avoiding it, 
And that's what I mean by good stress. So some of the things that I even write about in the book is, all right, you go to, you know, you, you might, you were probably invited to this party. You're not going to know anybody. Go see who, who you can meet. Three new people. Maybe you're going to a networking event. Nobody that you know is there. All right, see, maybe you can actually have a deep conversation with one or two people. What can you learn about others? Completely afraid of public speaking? Go and do an improv class. You did that too, it's amazing. You know, I mean, it's, and I was completely terrified, but it's putting yourself in these uncomfortable positions. Um, and I know that there are other people who would be like, yeah, I'd go bungee jumping or, you know, I pulled our community ones. Like, what's the scariest thing that you would do and jump out of a plane? Maybe you don't need to do that if that's not you, but maybe you can actually incrementally invite good stress because as we tend to, let's just say you're heartbroken right now and you're thinking, I don't want to go on those apps. Maybe you go on that app and maybe you're not looking for the next love of your life, but you're maybe looking for somebody that matches your energy. And maybe you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to say yes to this person and see what I learn about myself in this next date. And it's not about anything else, but it's more about, all right, what can I learn about myself? And that's what cultivating this idea of good stress or to be able to suck at something new it's what i also like to call it because then it's relieving the pressure then it's like we have a little sense of play you know life is can be so serious and i feel like once we add a little level of you know humor and levity towards things then we're actually allowing ourselves to be okay in the discomfort because there's less pressure i love this Can you let everybody know where to pick up a copy of your book and where to connect with you more? Oh my goodness. Well, uh, my podcast, The Brave Table, but also you can go to thatsuckednowwhat.com. And when you get the book from thatsuckednowwhat.com, we also have free resources and a five-day fly-forward mini meditation, as well as a 57-page digital workbook to actually help you go through all of the exercises even deeply. That are in the book. Amazing, amazing. So again, and I'm sure you got different places where people could pick up the book on the website, Absolutely. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that good stuff. But take advantage of those bonuses because the workbook would really be helpful. I love having prompts, you know, different things to actually proactively do. It's such an opportunity for us to simply get things out of our heads and get them out into the world. You shared that. And I was just sitting here in awe listening to that because it's so powerful just to get it out of your head, out of your body, whether it's speaking the words out loud, whether it's writing something down, but we carry it. And truly it's like, it's freeing. It's, it's, it's releasing things when we speak it out loud. And so having prompts and support to do that is super helpful. So yeah, this has been amazing. And again, people can tune in to your podcast where they're listening to this podcast, The Brave Table. Follow you on social. What is your IG? Yeah. Nita Bushin on IG, on everywhere, LinkedIn, all the places, YouTube. Amazing. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming to hang out with us. This has been awesome. Thanks so much, Sean. Legend, OG. Let's go. You already know. <laughs> I appreciate you. Everybody, thank, thank you, you so much it. for tuning in. I truly hope that you got a lot of value out of today's conversation. And I want you to keep in mind that there isn't a straight line to healing. There isn't a cookie cutter formulaic way that is going to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Things are going to happen along the way. You're going to have ups and downs, 
But that was very helpful for me going through certain things in my life. When one of my trusted advisors, Dr. Kelly Starrett, actually, and he texted to me, I was dealing with an injury, and he said that there isn't a straight line to healing because sometimes we can, you know, start playing these games in our mind. You know, we're playing this virtual ping pong match with our empowerment and with our feeling of like, this is taking too long, this is too difficult, whatever the case might be. And there isn't any straight path to healing. And just keep that in mind because sometimes we can feel like we get this instant moment of revelation and it's supposed to be all downhill from here or uphill, whatever the case, however you wanna put it, rocket fuel, taking off, that whole thing. But in reality, there's going to be moments of adjustment. There's going to be challenges that come up along the way to your healing. But it is important that we have those moments of revelation. You know, as Nita mentioned, that moment of ignition and lighting that fire and understanding, okay, now we're starting a journey. We're starting to move through this. And it might be a bumpy ride at some parts. Some parts might be super smooth sailing. But eventually, by you doing the work, by you understanding how powerful and remarkable and special and valuable you truly are, how worthy you truly are as a human being, you are going to get there. And I'm grateful to be on this journey with you and also to just remind you that in this human experience, we are all going to go through some of the craziest, most unexpected, most challenging times, but it is a beautiful part of this story. When all boils down to it, we can find beauty within the chaos. We can find gifts and joy within the mess and being able to lift ourselves up and to lift up our communities, we can start to write a different story and we need that right now more than ever. So I invite you to look within, to spend a little bit more time in contemplation and self-assessment and self-love so that we can build ourselves up so we can be stronger for those around us because right now we're not doing the best as a society but we've got to heal ourselves there's this wonderful statement healer heal thyself we've got to heal ourselves and lift ourselves up so that we can provide a better roadmap for others and again there isn't any cookie cutter roadmap keep that in mind but there are definitely some consistencies there are definitely some truths there are definitely some icons along the way that can help to direct us and it all comes again from doing the work we want to speak from a place of experience there's a lot of people out here speaking from theory and that's wonderful theory is great hypothesis is great but truly when you know a thing when you've gone through a thing and you can share that blueprint what you did to get from here to there there's this other wonderful statement from somebody who's become a friend and it's crazy to be able to say this tony robbins tony robbins said that success leaves clues and he learned that from his mentor jim Rohn. success leaves clues and so learning from people like dr bushin for example and being a part of this incredible community we're picking up a lot of incredible proven knowledge that we can use to create the life that we truly want Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We've got some epic masterclasses and world-class guests coming your way very, very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. 
and take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.